Hello, everybody. I'm Marley. And I'm Chloe. And welcome back to Mo Murders. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode and tuning back in for our second. If you're not already following on inst- us on Instagram, make sure you check us out to see any pictures surrounding today's case. And if you have any case suggestions you would like us to cover, slide into our DMs. And now on today's case, take it away, Chloe. What's up, guys? So before we start on today's case, I got to say that after mine and Marley's first episode, I had probably the worst sleep of my life. I couldn't stop thinking about those girls in Slenderman, and I'm 23 years old, so that's super embarrassing. I definitely used my flashlight every (laughs) single time I walked down the hall and the lights were not on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the same after that. Uh, Marley, the case that we're covering today is something that I really debated on sharing because of, honestly, just how uncomfortable and vile it is. But then again, that's what we're here for. So with that, I'm going to jump into it. I'm so excited. I know. So in August of 1984 in a small Austrian town, Joseph Fritzl asked his 18-year-old daughter Elizabeth if she could help him position a new door into its frame. Elizabeth Fritzl innocently agreed and followed her dad down into the depths of the cellar that he had been building for months in the garden beneath the family home. When Elizabeth turned to get her dad's approval of the job, she instead witnessed the last image of her hero-like father and entered a new hell of realization that the monster under her bed was the same monster smothering her with a drug-infused cloth who had changed her life forever. Oh my god. I really worked hard on that intro. I hope you like it. I really did, but I can't, Im- <laughs> I can't even imagine dude like i'm super close with my dad so i can't even imagine me too so joseph fritzel had been planning what was effectively a dungeon for years receiving official permission to construct his cellar complex as far back as the late 1970s he had thought of every last detail securing concrete and steel supplies through contacts at construction companies where he had previously worked there were initially two access points in the cellar a heavy hinge door and a metal door reinforced with concrete that was used to open by a remote control device. But once his dungeon was complete, a total of eight doors had to be opened before reaching the purpose-built cellar. The final door before the darkness of the tomb-like cellar was the one that Elizabeth herself helped him to install. Imagine that, like, she helped him create her own hell. Not knowing, not knowing, of course. Like, I would help my dad with anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd help my dad bury a dead body. (laughs) (laughs) I really would, because your dad, you know, like, it's your hero. But obviously, it was easy enough to instigate. Elizabeth had threatened to run away many, many times before. More than once, she had been hauled back to the family home by the police or her father in an attempt to run away. So when Elizabeth disappeared from one day to the next, he told friends and family that she had run off to join a cult, and of course, they all believed him. Damn. So in reality... She was living under their feet, beneath the garden, where he and the rest of the family enjoyed barbecues for the summer. Years later, when he expanded the underground accommodation, he built a swimming pool upstairs as a cover-up for the amount of earth he was having to drag up. Later, when they splashed in the pool, the family did so above Elizabeth's prison. How far underground was it? I don't know the exact, like, dimensions of it. But it was deep enough down for a swimming pool to be on top of it? Wow. Yeah. So, obviously, the horror for Elizabeth was unrelenting. It was cold. It was damp. The rats, which she was sometimes forced to catch with her bare hands. The water that ran off the walls in such large quantities, she had to use towels to soak it up. It was said that during the summer, when the place turned into an intolerable sweaty sauna, was the absolute worst time of the year. I bet. I hate being hot. I can't imagine being in a sauna 24 hours a day. 
I just can't even imagine like what's going through her head. At first, Fritzel strapped up her arms and then tied them behind her back with an iron chain, which he then secured the metal posts behind her bed. She could only move approximately half a meter from each side. After two days, he gave her more freedom of movement by attaching the chain around her waist. Then about six to nine months into her imprisonment, he removed the metal chain because it was hindering his sexual activity with his daughter, according to the indictment. That's disgusting. He sexually abused and raped her sometimes several times a day, starting from the second day of her incarceration. She had spent the first five years entirely alone, entirely alone, because he hardly ever spoke to her. Over the course of nearly a quarter of a century, he would rape her at least 3,000 times, resulting in seven babies who themselves often had to watch the abuse as they grew older. Three of these children were to stay underground, never expecting to see daylight. The other three children mysteriously appeared on the doorstep of Fritzel and his wife, Rosemary, to which Fritzel told the community that Elizabeth had delivered them from her cult to be brought up as Fritzel's own children, and all without arousing Rosemary's suspicions or those of the Austrian authorities. So even her own mom is like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the mom's thinking like, well, I hope she's safe somewhere, but... Oh my god. Yeah. Like, one of the children, a twin called Michael, died shortly after his birth in the cellar in 1996. He had severe breathing difficulties, and he died in his mother's arms when he was just 66 hours old. Fritzl admitted he subsequently burned the baby's body in an incinerator. That hurts my heart as a mother. That's like everybody, every mother's worst fear is to lose a child, and for her to lose her child in a cellar... It's just insane. He repeatedly beat and kicked Elizabeth. He also subject her to humiliating sexual abuse, including forcing her to reenact scenes from violent pornographic films. The abuse left her with serious, lasting physical injuries and psychological damage. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Obviously. I'm not sure, like... But once the baby started to come, this was the real horror for her. The births over the next 12 years all took place without any medical help. To prepare for them, her father provided her with disinfectant, a dirty pair of scissors, and a 1960s book on childbirth. And literally was like, good luck. Like, figure it out. Do you know how many times I pushed that extra epidural button when I had one? I can't not even imagine. Seven times? Without any kind of painkiller. That's crazy. Yeah. I. Kudos to the women who can do that, because I did not even try. But... Wow. I just feel like so many things can go wrong. And so many women died like back in the olden days because they didn't have like modern medicine. Mm -hmm. So Fritzl often threatened Elizabeth and her children, warning them that if they tried to escape, they would be killed. The indictment said he told them he had installed a system so that the doors would give them electric shocks if they tried to open them. And that poison would be released into the cellar if they ever tried to escape. And it would kill all of them instantly. He would also punish her by switching off the power to the cellar for days at a time so that they were left alone in total darkness. One time she cried as the freezer he later installed so that he could stockpile food while he went away on the holidays and it had defrosted and leaked its contents onto the floor of her already horrendously damp prison. The end of her ordeal came last April when Kirsten, her 19-year-old daughter, became, became gravely ill. Fritzl, not known for his mercy in the past, put her in his Mercedes and drove her to the hospital. There, the doctors became deeply suspicious of the deadly pale creature with bad teeth who lay dying in intensive care. Repeated media appeals were broadcast for the mother to come forward with information that was necessary if they were going to have any chance of saving her life. Like, 
I'm sure the doctors are like, okay, something's really weird here. And she was, she's a baby of incest. So who knows what kind of physical issues she already had. Right. And then to get sick on top of it, her body probably couldn't even defend itself. So Elizabeth and her two boys who are still like in the cellar, right? Because they're not at the hospital. Um, They're watching all this on television in their cellar. Like I just said, fuck me. I can't talk right now. Elizabeth and her two boys viewed all this on the television that was on, you know, while they were in the cellar, obviously. She pleaded with her father to let her out. While his powers were going faint, his ability to keep two families sustained, reducing by the day as he aged and his heart grew weaker. He had already begun to hatch a plan as to how he could release his daughter without too many questions being asked. He relented perhaps for the first time ever, and he told the hospital that the family appeared on his doorstep having escaped from their cults. Back to the just magically appearing on the doorstep. What a story. But the doctors and police did not believe his story this time around. At the hospital, Elizabeth was put into a room away from her father, where police threatened to charge her with child abuse because of the way she had clearly neglected her daughter. Elizabeth said she had a completely different tale from the one they expected to hear. She would start to tell them only on condition that they promised her that she would never have to lay eyes on her father again. She then went on to provide the horrifying account of her 24 years in captivity, and Fritzl was arrested and eventually sentenced to prison for life. Elizabeth was given a new name following the trial with strict laws to prevent her identity being revealed. She now lives with her six surviving children in a tiny home in the Austrian countryside, which also cannot be identified and only referred to by the country's media as Village X. So I don't know if it's like a government... It sounds like the Witness Protection Program or something. Yeah, that's right. But also when you've gone through something so traumatic and stressful, like, I think she deserves 100% privacy. Nobody being able to find her or knowing her name anymore. Yeah. So all of the children now sleep in rooms with doors permanently open after undergoing weekly therapy sessions... To hopefully eliminate, like, the traumas they suffered inside the cellar. Uh, The two-story home is kept under constant surveillance and patrolled by security guards. While any stranger caught lurking nearby can expect to be picked up by the police within minutes. It was also recently reported that Elizabeth had found love with her bodyguard. Oh, saucy. I know. (laughs) I'm just happy that she's able to find love. I mean. I mean, I'm sure it was terribly hard for her to ever trust another man all right i know what you're thinking i went by that episode really quick and i did i looked at the timer i read that in like 10 minutes <laughs> and marley yours was like i don't know how long was yours i think like 15 really i mean it wasn't that much it's not that much of a difference i think i read mine faster but i had a longer story yeah okay i agree with you so sorry for the shorter episode um, I haven't been listening to true crime for the past few years like Marley has, so I'm, I don't really know how to script an episode. Also, <laughs> also, here's honestly what's going on. Um, apparently in Missouri, if you're vaccinated, you can enter to win $10,000. It's like a legit thing. And you just gotta show proof that you're chipped and you're not. <laughs> you just gotta show that you're vaccinated and it's legit. They pick people like every single week for like six weeks. You get 10 grand. So I woke up this morning to a message saying that I had won and I was super excited and I'm calling all my friends, she my called family. Me and she literally is like, dude, I won $10,000. 
$10,000, man. Like, and I'm crying. Happy tears. And I'm still drunk from last night, by the way, too. So, like, that's the best good morning hangover message ever. And the guy messaged, or I messaged the people, because they were like, yeah, you got to get in contact with an agent. And this looks so legit. Like, I'm crying happy tears. $10,000. You can do a lot with $10,000. And next thing you know, you know, fast forward an hour later, and I'm crying on the phone with this Indian lady from Equifax <laughs> because someone tried stealing my identity. And it's just been a crazy morning, okay? So, long story short, she did not win $10,000. Yeah, long story short, I... No, in fact, I lost $20 because now I'm paying a company $20 to secure my information. So talk about true crime. That's some true crime. That's right a, that's a today's true crime. So this episode was not what I thought it was going to be. Uh, neither was my morning, but next week will be better. If you look out for Chloe's episode four, we're going to promise 30 minutes for that one. Yes, 30 minutes, and I'll make it really good. Like, really, really good. So, again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.